This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Are Metro Vancouver bus drivers going to walk? Maybe walk a picket line. They've issued 72-hour strike notice. Union leader Gavin McGarrigal says workers have demanded better breaks and wages for months. He says they've been ignored by the company. He spoke to Sterling Fox in the John McComb Show this morning. Have a listen. Well, what you've seen is an increase in transit ridership from 2016 to 2018 of about 18%. But at the same time, you've seen overcrowded buses increase by 36%. Um, You don't have to go far. Go to a UBC, uh, go to any of... uh, you know, the times at rush hour, and you'll see people lining up in the hundreds to get onto buses, and people are waiting two, three, four buses to get on a bus. And so our members are focused on serving the passengers, and they do the best they can to keep the schedule, but that's at their expense. Um, they don't have enough time to properly go to the washroom to have a bite to eat and, and just decompress after serving people. So that pressure has been building for years. And really, the transit planners just haven't uh, allocated uh, sufficient what we call recovery time to make sure that, um, you know, under most normal days and most normal circumstances, that that time is built in. Our members have said enough. Okay, as union leader Gavin McGarrigal, after bus drivers uh, issued 72-hour strike notice in Metro Vancouver, if they do walk, it would be the first transit strike in 18 years i'll tell you i remember the last one back in 2001 it dragged on for months it was pretty brutal let's check in with ian tostinson now ride sharing now for bc he's also president of bc restaurant association ian thanks for coming on hey mike how you doing i'm doing great let's uh put on your restaurant hat first of all here ian and if there was a transit strike what would it mean for like small businesses like restaurants and metro well, a lot of uncertainty. So people that would whether you know maybe want to go out or stay downtown after work and go, you know what, can't do that because I have to find a ride home now because I don't know how I'm going to get there. That's a big problem. I think the bigger problem, I was thinking about it this morning, Mike, is uh, our, our workers. Is It's hard enough for them to get right now to, uh, to get to restaurants right now to get to their work, the jobs. Uh, this will just throw a complete chaos into it, like the early morning shifts and the late, the late night shifts. So... Um, it's not good. It's not good news. I, I don't quite remember 2001, but I was reading about it this morning. It was, you're right, it was chaos. It was like people were walking, riding bikes, carpooling. They were quite desperate to do that. And um, so I don't know, even if there's rotating strikes, um, that creates enough uncertainty. I think when people wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I can't afford to have that uncertainty. So they're going to start making uh, you know arrangements probably pretty fast on Friday morning. I remember that strike in 2001, and the extraordinary thing about it was just how long it went on. It went on for four months. Can you imagine that? 124 days with no bus service. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was wondering whether or not we were as reliant on public transit then as we are today. I mean, I think we're much more reliant on it today, but um, that's brutal, right? I mean, who would ever think we'd go on that long? Wow. Yeah, and it was really tough on people who obviously rely on public transit, and I thought it... I remember thinking at the time that it really disproportionately hurt certain groups of people. I mean, you know, people trying to get to work, poor people, disabled people, you know, uh, women trying to get home at night after work if they're working late. It was it was not a good thing. And it dragged on for months and months and months before the government finally stepped in. People were absolutely furious. I remember one day uh, George Puel, if you remember George Puel. 
mm. when, when he was yep. the head at TransLink, and people were so mad, somebody went and dumped a, a truckload of manure on his lawn, which I thought was disgusting, but it was just sort of showed you how furious people were. It was it was not a pleasant situation. Now that said, I remember if you were driving, you know, if you were commuting to work by car, I remember a lot of people back then saying, "Oh, this is great because the traffic is lighter." Yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> and you know, that's <laughs> very true. But I don't know if it's going to be the case this time. I mean, it was this about one point two million people that uh, ride uh, some form of transit in Metro Vancouver every day. So you can imagine that. I mean, I know they're not going to shut the whole system down, but, you know, listening to the union leader um, is interesting. These aren't these issues like we want 5% or 6%. These are really difficult issues to deal with, right? Breaks and mental stress. I mean, it would be terrible being a bus driver in the city. It's hard enough to drive as it is, but so I don't know. I, I don't think it doesn't sound like there's a, there's a real easy way out in this one. And so I guess the next observation is we need alternatives, right? One of the things that, one of the reasons that it dragged on for so long, I recall back in 2001, maybe this was one of the reasons, was the government was saving money on it because they weren't running a bus service. TransLink was saving money. And there was some speculation that, well, just let it go because we're saving money by not having to provide these services. Now, I certainly hope that that is not a factor in anyone's mind this time and that this thing is settled because I think a transit strike would be pretty ugly. Let me let me switch now to, like you said, alternatives. You're, you're also the head of ride-sharing now for BC. And do you think this is an example of the need for alternatives like ride-hailing? You know, I do. I was just talking to somebody about wouldn't it be great to launch ride-share on Friday. That's not going to happen, but... Um it certainly does. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at it from a person's point of view, when they're being held hostage to things they can't control, uh, ride sharing will make that give that alternative to that rider and, um, and and that customer, that employee, you know, whatever the situation is. And so that's just, an, you know, I think versus 2001, um, I think these those services now are more needed than ever. I mean, people are living further out than ever, especially since yeah. 2001. So there's all right. these different factors now. So I think that we need it. Um, I don't know that the uh, many governments, with the exception of Richard Stewart, is do, are doing us too many favors to get it going quickly. But I still think we're on track before Christmas. But, uh, boy, I tell you, um, you know, you, it wouldn't be refreshing to have a politician stand up and talk about what's you know, in the best interest of everybody's convenience versus there's sort of sometimes narrow narrow political views on things what, what was your point there about richard stewart he's the mayor of coquitlam well sorry yeah now, richard is doing a great job at advocating uh you know for rideshare and to have a licensing scheme across metro vancouver that's um that's fair and equal and gets on with it um not this sort of one-off like vancouver did when they charged a hundred dollars per car um it's slowing down the process every every municipality wants to come up with a licensing scheme now to license rideshare cars in their municipalities. And it's just oh. another layer of red tape and, and, and uh, time delay. Okay, and speaking to Ian Tossenson, ride-sharing now for BC. He's also the head of the BC Restaurant Association. I mean, you've also got cities like the city of Surrey and the mayor there, Doug McCallum, just threatening to keep ride-hailing companies out of the city, period, because he's so opposed to it. Yeah, how can you do that? I mean, you can't, right? You seventy-eight percent. Yeah, I know. Seventy-eight percent of the people in Surrey want ride-sharing. I mean, boy, if anybody needs it, is Surrey, and he's 
I, I don't know what era he's advocating in, but boy, I tell you, he's not in touch with his people. His people, right, in Surrey, it's, it's very sad. Well, I, I think he's clearly aligned with the taxi companies in Surrey, which are a powerful political lobby there in the city. I think that's what it pretty much comes down to. What is the current status of, of ride-hailing in the province right now? When are, when are we going to get it? It looks like uh, two weeks, uh, the, the companies, so the big companies, Lyft and Uber, are expecting to receive uh, approval to operate uh, within about two weeks. So that'll be the big one. And then the next one has been going on is the recruitment um, on drivers. Uh, I got to be honest with you, the class four licensing scheme has caused, uh, you know, has caused some problems. It's not easy, especially in smaller communities, to get um, enough drivers. So you're going to see initially the service is launched in in Metro Vancouver, where there's much more of a pool of drivers, uh, and that's going to cause a lot of, you know, unfairness. I think for communities, the Okanagan and victorian on the island that just uh it's going to take them time to populate if at all they can do it if things go well when could you be able to click the app on your phone and call an uber um i'm going to call it michael by the end of november um i was a little bit a little bit sooner but um i know that they're really trying to line up these drivers quickly so i I, you know certainly before christmas i mean the the premier promised a year ago we'd have it by Christmas, and so um, I'm going to call it for November 30th. Ian, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. That is, same to you. Ian Tostenson, ride-sharing now for BC. He's president of the BC Restaurant Association, talking about the potential for a transit strike. He says it'd be brutal on small businesses that are relying on people uh, to get to work, especially the restaurant sector, if Metro Vancouver bus drivers went on strike. They have issued 72-hour strike notice.